bureaucracy, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Queen City Improvement Bureau. Its mission, to seek out improvements and new improvements and improve the Queen City. This meeting is now in session. Hello. Hey. How are you doing? Doing all right. You, this uh, is a great improvement over last week. We didn't have intro music. We didn't? We didn't. We always have intro music in the Queen City Improvement Bureau. It was one of our first improvements. Yeah, it didn't It was work the original out. improvement. didn't work out. It, it kind of went off the rails last week. I don't know if you heard. Uh, no, I was on vacation in basically in the middle of a smoke cloud. Right, right. Yeah, yeah no, Aiden uh, dropped a few bombshells. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I actually have some bombshells to drop tonight as well. He, he claimed the show was live from the uh, CJTR offices and that you were uh, deluded. Yeah, see, that's what I wanted to talk about tonight. Um, I wanted to, like, because, you know, you're here and uh, Melanie Hankowicz, a.k.a. Bell Plain, is here. Hey, Mel. Um, woo. And, uh, yeah, I needed to talk to you guys because we have to, like, arrange some kind of intervention because... As you know, the truth is that the Queen City Improvement Bureau is a bureau of City Hall. And as you can see from the dank pipes and the water dripping on my head and mm -hmm. dampening our feet, that we operate out of the sub-basement underneath City Hall. But I think it's just too much for Aiden. I don't think he can handle the reality of, um, you know, our miserable bureaucratic life. And so he's, like, imagined that uh, we are a radio show on community radio and you know i'm thinking if you could imagine we're anything you'd think he could imagine bigger than that like you know at least an hbo series or something but no he likes to think that we're a community radio show and yes we do broadcast our meetings on QC on uh, cjtr so maybe that's where it comes from but <clears throat> uh yeah I, I think we need to like have a sit down and talk with him because his work's starting to suffer frankly it's kind of a 12 monkeys thing going on how so? We have we don't have any monkeys down here, John. Well, maybe Aiden's come from the future. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. Where the Queen City Improvement Bureau is a radio program. Oh, um, yeah, maybe that's it. But anyway. Oh, so maybe maybe he comes from a future where they're finally telling our story as a, on, on the radio. Yeah, that's that. That's pretty exciting. Be a little more Bill and Ted's than the Twelve Monkeys. You think? <laughs> I don't know. I was kind of hoping for more of, um, I don't know, Life of Brian or something like that. Anyways, we have to have a meeting. All right, should let's, we do attendance? Uh, let's take attendance. Okay. Um, John Kennedy, present. Good. Okay, we're off to a rousing start here. And I know you got your name right right off the bat. Yeah, you're I, really good at this. Yeah, you know, I don't, uh, I don't know why Aiden doesn't get the names right every week. I tell you, he's under a lot of stress. Uh, okay, uh, so who else do we have here? In the corner over there, you. Uh, That's a typical twelve-year-old girl over there. Hi, I'm a typical twelve-year-old girl. <laughs> and uh, I'm Paul DeShane. Paul. Yeah, and I. And we have, as I said before, Bell Plain, Bell Melanie Anchorage. Present. Hey, Mel. Hey, how's How are you doing? Yeah. I'm good. I, I uh, woke up at about uh, 1 a.m. Saskatchewan time to get here from Halifax just for this. I still have my water bottle from the plane. Really? Yeah. 
just to come to the, just water. to come to our meeting. Yeah, that's pretty. Over, I'm flattered. It's <laughs> <laughs> very dedicated. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I care about improvements. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm sorry, we can't like cover that for you. The like, flight. We, we don't have a budget to cover oh. your uh, your commuting. Uh. Yeah. And unfortunately, we haven't quite made quorum. We haven't. Well, Aiden's not here. Oh right, dang, Aiden. Next time, we've got John and the twelve-year-old girl. We, everything it's it's looked promising. Yeah, it really did. It was the closest we've ever come. Uh, what were you doing in Halifax, Mel? I was shooting a video in Halifax with some folks who are uh, animating a song for a new record that I have coming out in October. So it's a it's a big project I've been working on for about a year. And it made more sense to go to them and be part of the animators community than have her come here and have me organize it that's really the truth is right. it was better to have her organize a film shoot than me yeah because i sing yeah yes yeah. but and for this did you lip sync i did lip sync for this yeah. it's a whole different world it's the uh second time that i've done that in my career and it's normal people tell me it's okay but it still feels you know like lip syncing yeah yeah you didn't do lip sync contests in junior high None. No, no, that was the, that was the time I was singing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so you've just always sung. Yeah, I just always when I when I moved my mouth, I made noise. That was kind of what I found fulfilling. Yeah. With music, you know. Um. So this whole lip syncing thing. Sorry to like press on. This. No, no, go for it. But this has been like a big deal, right? Like since like music videos became uh, industry standard in the eighties, uh, every like musician has to learn how to to lip sync. Well, I would say previous to that, too. I mean, performances on live television, if you um, look closely, are not sung. Like uh, Top of the Pops? Top of the Pops, but I mean, going back to like Ed Sullivan, you know, that really? era of things. Oh, certainly. That fraud! <laughs> I mean, when you when you think about the, the technology available and what they were using... Uh, yeah, I mean, there's certainly there's a there's a lineage of yeah. lip syncing and and air guitaring with your guitar and all that sort of thing. But um, then after Millie Vanilli, it kind of all blew up, and then it, there was that big push to do everything live. Right? I just I love Millie Vanilli. You know, like it's They're a historical totally group. They they did get totally. That's just the whole thing was just a mess, but also really fascinating for the for the rest of us. And I had that tape. You know that. Yeah. It's, that was hard on me. Yeah. Well, they were, um, the the guy behind Millie Vanilli was like one of these like music industry Svengalis who, you know, lured them in with promises of lots of money just because they were good dancers. Really? Yeah. And then uh, I can't remember how they got, like they got, they got revealed as just like lip syncing everything, even though through it all they wanted to do their own music, but were never allowed to. Kind of like the monkeys. Yeah. They didn't lip sync though. Don't I can't live with that. I think they did. Really? No. I think you know Davy Jones. I think was a real musician. I'm not sure any. He was really singing. Any though, of the right? rest of them were. They did sing on the records. Right. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the Monkees were, uh, I believe, a, a manufactured band that then had to learn their instruments to actually. I think play Peter Tork. Yeah, yeah, that's not actually that uncommon. Uh, yeah. And Mike know? Nesmith, he could legit play. He was he was a he was like for real alt country guy before there was alt country. Thank I think we you. may have struck a nerve here. I'm sorry. With I the lip syncing, no, I got there's no. With Paul I mean, though, yeah, I think oh, he's a Paul. big monkeys fan. I am actually. When I was in junior high, <laughs> you just named is, the band. 
when I was when I was in junior high, uh, I had a teacher who went around and was like asking everybody what their favorite band was. And, you know, everybody was like, I don't know, Led Zeppelin and Iron Maiden. I lived, I, I was at a school where there was a lot of metalheads. And when he got to me, I said, the monkeys. And my teacher tore a strip off me because they were a manufactured band and they were completely inauthentic. And, you know, you really shouldn't listen to that kind of garbage. And, you know, he just like whittles me down to like this tiny little boy in front of all of my peers. And I, I haven't recovered. And, um... Yeah, the monkeys, they rule. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> uh, so I, I was wanted to ask both you guys, because I was away last week in the smoke cloud, and uh, I, I didn't get to go to the folk festival last weekend. Did you guys go, yes. and was it good? Yes and yes, but it was really, really hot. Like, for real? Like, yeah, for real. Okay, because where I was, it was supposed to be hot, but then the smoke came and blotted out the sun, and it actually got kind of cold, like the apocalypse. Saturday hit 41 degrees what? in Regina, yes. and it was... Uh, um, I didn't go to the workshop Saturday afternoon as I was planning because I walked outside and turned around and went back in and mm -hmm. sat in my air-conditioned living room until the sun went down. <laughs> I had the opposite experience where I was working on the main stage crew, and really? so was there. Um, uh, speaking of lip syncing, we were uh, loading Walk Off the Earth off stage from the night previous. We'll just keep on talking about something else now. Oh, no. And, um, <laughs> and I, I would like to talk about Walk Off the Earth. We can talk show. about it in the van. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, we loaded them out until about 2 in the morning. And the next morning we had to be there at 9 a.m. Uh, and I believe it was about 27 degrees, you know, by about 10 a.m. Oh, and God. then really just continued on from that point. But... Uh, but I will say this for the Regina Folk Festival. They had a plan. They had yeah. a plan to look after everybody uh, that was on stage and that was working and volunteering. And uh, it's just, it's such a killer community. And Saturday was, right. though, incredible temperatures uh, unknown to me at the Regina Folk Festival. Uh, it was such a great day. Like Tanya Tagak played that day. And yeah. it was just like... Like she is just the stratosphere of creativity for me. Uh, completely, She's amazing, yeah. completely blew my mind. I saw her about ten years ago at the exchange with Kenny Starr, which was an amazing show then. And uh, this year, incredible. She had a, a, a theremin player who also was singing um, traditional powwow, I believe, vocalizations, and it was incredible. Really glued the whole thing together. And then she also had a drummer and a uh, violin player who were affecting their their playing with delay and having it kind of feedback and build and and the whole show was just completely transcendental it was incredible um and zoe roy came in who uh, john and i were talking about previously who would if you want to talk about zoe i yeah, would love zoe that. a spoken word uh poet from uh, saskatoon she's just uh I don't know, 21 or 22 years old, and she's just a, a force of nature. And uh, I've seen her perform, I don't know, probably half a dozen times in the last uh, year and a half, and she just gets better and better and more confident, and uh, she's definitely going to be a force going forward. Right. So the how, how long was her set? Like, is 
was so spoken word. It was a spoken word. Well, could really l- like Zoe was uh, hosting the main stage oh, on, on Sunday, on Sunday right, and so she uh, did a few pieces. Uh, she did a few pieces on Saturday, I guess. She did. She was the tweener between Tanya Tagak and Nico Case, right. I think, or perhaps before Tanya. I'm not sure. Right. Yeah, and then uh, and then she hosted uh, Sunday as well. So yeah, just a young, fearless poet, and uh, you gotta be. The world needs more of them. Yeah, yeah, she was fantastic. Um, and of course, Nico Case, my like one of my greatest favorite artists, uh, and she did a great thing where she worked with um, uh, the Girls Rock Camp Regina crew. And did a little talk with them. Uh, One of the bands from Girls Rock Camp this year performed on the children's stage. And so uh, I I was working at that point, but I believe Nico was out with them and the organizers, Danny and Amanda Scandrit. And, uh, yeah, gave them a little Q&A, gave them a little bit of love. Uh, I think Tanya Tagak also was working with them. I think this is great material for a typical 12-year-old girl to cover, to work (laughs) with Girls Rock Camp Regina, maybe, as an on-location thing. I think maybe we we could set that up after this for more Queen City improvements. That would be awesome. And then, of course, Nico Case's show was, like, just my... Out of this world, yeah, she's yeah. so good. Just had me singing along. Yeah? Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. And I'm a little ashamed to say, but up until this weekend, I had never seen Bruce Coburn live before. Oh, and really? So seeing him was pretty uh, amazing on Sunday, too, you know. I don't yes. know, he's like 70 something. He is an incredible know? guitarist. And uh, yeah. I don't know how he tunes his guitar or what he does, but he's got a bass line going and a melody going. And, and a it's counter all, rhythm. And he makes so yeah. much noise with that guitar, it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. He's a... Uh, He's a talent. Was he just solo on stage? Or yeah. Yes. yeah. No way. Yeah, I think he's performed solo on stage for quite a few years. I don't know that he tours with a band. Right. I think. In fact, I think the only time I've seen him live was back in the eighties, and it was him solo. Right. But it was just he was. It was a little like um, thing that he was doing for a charity. In Edmonton, actually, that right. I, you know, yeah. other musicians were just getting in his way. I think that he makes <laughs> so much <laughs> noise with his guitar, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, did you go to any of the workshops? Oh, if you were like crew, you were probably doing yeah. workshop stuff all day. Friday and Saturday, uh, I actually am unable to go to the workshops because we're on stage doing sound checks. Uh, uh, all of those fifteen-minute changeovers don't happen on their own, so we're there early to get all that sorted during the day with the artists and then uh sunday sunday i made it out for um for some of the workshops of course and um yeah was and then and then i got to sing on the main stage to commemorate uh 20 years of Sandra Butel being the artistic director. Oh, nice. So I, I wrote, didn't realize that. Yeah, so I wrote a little camp song for Sandra and sang it on the main stage it was very for good. her. Yeah. It was fun. It was a uh, it was a really lovely weekend, as it always is. Sandra's being like a transformative presence for this folk fest, hey? 100%. Yeah, yeah. that definitely factored into my thought process in, in wanting to create something for them. And, I, you know, we wanted to write, uh, we being myself and the secretive members of the Regina Folk Festival staff who wanted me to do it uh, as a surprise. We wanted to write something that was fun, but also something that honored you know who who she is in this community uh, right. bringing in artists that are political you know that care about things past you know a bottom line and uh, giving voice to people that 
I don't always have, you know, the the opportunity to be on a main stage. And I just think she's such an incredible programmer, uh, mixing artists that are going to sell tickets with artists that are important to see. And she does this really great thing. Uh, I think one of the best years that I saw it happening was when she booked Vance Joy. So, of course, like a, an artist that's going to bring a younger crowd to the festival, which is so so very important for its longevity. But she put the Blind Boys of Alabama before Vance Joy. So yeah. all of all of the crowd that wanted to see Vance Joy that was up at the front was, you know, front row for Blind Boys of Alabama, which is just such an incredible, historic, entertaining, beautiful show. Um, Jim Cuddy, Mavis Staples, you know, the people that want to see are going to stay for Jim Cuddy. Mavis Staples was before, which by all rights, Mavis Staples should be closing the show as a headliner. But... We want people to see Mavis Staples, so Mavis plays before right. that kind of stuff. Um, Smart. Or Emmy Lou. I can't remember what year Mavis played, but maybe it was Emmy Lou. You get the picture, though. Yeah. So just that kind of creative programming that um, that kind of serves it up in a way that you're going to see it and you're not going to know how much you love it until the show's over. I have a great Emmy Lou story. Please. So a few years ago, we were having a, uh, a Christmas party at our house and... Um, what we do in our Christmas parties, we sometimes have a guitar, and anybody who wants to perform, performs. So uh, the afternoon of our Christmas party, my guitar craps out, and the electronic parts don't uh, work, so I have to run to um, uh, Longham and Quaid and, and rent a guitar for the night. And uh, because it was such short notice, and at the holiday season, they didn't have any guitars for rent except the most expensive Gibson in the store and uh, it was crazy I rented it for one night for like $200 or something anyway it, the last time it had been rented was uh, for Emmylou Harris so she played it so Emmylou played the guitar and then I did Wow! So, did you like? Did you swab the fretboard or something for her? Uh, yeah, <laughs> the, the, not, no talent rubbed off oh. in any way. <laughs> <laughs> That's great! I love that. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a really special weekend. I think everybody walked away with those same good feelings that they always do. And then, of course, there's a concert series that follows all that. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I should mention we are the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And I'm here with John Kennedy from The Exchange and guest host tonight and Melanie Hankwich, a.k.a. Bell Plain. We're talking Folk Fest right now. Um, and we're definitely in the sub-basement of City Hall. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. No matter what Aiden tells you. Uh, Very musty. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. It's okay. I, I'm, you know, it's... It's sort of like a triggering thing, but in a good way, you know? Like, yeah. I come in here and I'm like, oh, yes, this is where the improvements happen. Yeah, yeah we can't improve because mm. all of our improvements leave here and go elsewhere. Yes. And so everything here stays static. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we do that for the city. Yeah. Selfless work. I wanted to ask you one question about uh, the song that you did for Sandra Butel. Did it include any, like, really obscure... Uh, Easter eggs about embarrassing stories. No. No? No, I didn't want that no. at all. Uh, so it wasn't I, a roast? It wasn't a roast. I didn't want a roaster. Uh, the The first verse did discuss uh, a, a little quirk about her uh, that that is 
you know, a fun thing where she 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 spends the festival barefoot walking through the the park and right. then uh in the evenings she generally puts on a hoodie and flips the hood up so she can go around and watch people's reaction to the main stage. So, I mean, that was as close as That's we got. Cool. But it was I mean, I really wanted to celebrate who she is uh in a special way. And she's also a very shy person, and I can relate to that, you know, where your job puts you in a position uh, where people know who you are, and some, you know, you, I, I want to honor that, that it's not, I would hate to be on stage and somebody say something that embarrassed me, you know, it happens, and then you kind of are in this position of recovery, so... I can. I was very sympathetic to that fact and gave that a lot of thought. I used to play road hockey with uh, Sandra. She's very competitive. She's a very good hockey player. I've played hockey with her too, and she, she is. She gets in there. Really? Oh yeah. yeah. You know, Gordy Howe is known for his elbows. <laughs> so, is so is so is Sandra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole song. <laughs> Sandra Butel and her elbows. Actually, that would be a great band. If she ever be. decided to do a band. Write that idea down in my notebook. Yeah. That's an improvement. That's an improvement. One down. Uh, so you mentioned that you were doing a video for a song. Yeah. Does this mean that you have a new album coming up? October 19th. Food comes out. Yes, it's very exciting. Uh, it's called Malice, Mercy, Grief, and Wrath. Um, Sounds know, heavy. Right? Um, it is heavy, I guess, in some ways. A lot of the themes came out of um, processing those emotions, malice, mercy, grief, and wrath. But then the idea was uh, in the songs, when we when I sat down and really thought about it with the artist who did the artwork, my friend Terry Fidelic, um, we both got to this place in listening to it, her more so because like I, it's really in my head, but hearing her perspective it's about redemption and salvation and forgiveness and really all of those themes you don't get to those places without those difficult you know emotions you really kind of have to show your soft underbelly to get to get anywhere special um with uh with your experience so that's that's really what the album is about and but the i mean i like the title because it's it's really good yeah, it's, it's Terry uh, Fidelic again. She's the one who named it. I didn't know what to name it, and I was throwing some ideas, and then she spat that one, and it was like, yep, done. <laughs> done and done. Yeah. This is why we collaborate, folks. Does it, is it, are the malice, the mercy, the grief, grief and the wrath, are these references to sort of personal things, or is it, a, is it broader? Because these seem like uh, completely appropriate words to describe the time in which we live right mm, now. Right. Um, the the uh, phrase comes from a song, and the song that we did the video for uh, just this last weekend, uh, the song is called Lila Sadie Johnson Wasn't Beaten by No Train. And uh, that's the song I wrote for my grandmother, who yeah. was hit by a train in the 80s and obviously was not beaten by that Jeez. train. Um and in one of the verses, the line is, a machine can bear no malice, mercy, grief, or wrath. And so it's the idea that, you know, this was a, this was a happenstance occurrence. There was no, you know, it's a train, yeah. uh, and she happened to be in front of it. But, but you're right. I mean, it is a very fitting 
uh, and there are other themes in in the album that I think in in my way in my personal way or dealing with like family issues or whatever it it is appropriate to the time because we are maybe in need of a bit more compassion and I know there's lots of people out there putting that love out there and really working hard and I in some ways feel more inspired and to to be that you know I, my cynicism has kind of had to have been washed away for a greater good uh, and and sending a better message out which is refreshing you know from my own perspective uh-huh. um it's a it's a great title, but in the context of that line, it's that's a killer line. Thanks. Yeah, that was a that was a five month writing experience on that one. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm. Uh, you're going to stick around for the second half. Sure, am. Awesome. Okay, because we have to move on to the next item on our agenda. Great, innovative revenue tools. Awesome. Do you know what those are, John? No, you don't. I don't. Aiden didn't fill you in last week. No. Okay. He sent me out about halfway through for donuts. Oh, man. You got donuts last week? I didn't get any donuts. Unless there's donuts out in the uh, the foyer to the boiler room. Right, the foyer yeah. to the boiler room. Yeah, well, you know, we do it up nice down there. <laughs> uh, well, innovative revenue tools are that part of the meeting where we talk about uh, innovative ways that the city can improve its bottom line by coming up with new tools, new things other than right. property taxes to raise money. And uh, I... I guess you guys know about the giant snow smoke cloud that has like passed across our province coming from the fires in british columbia and there are like i don't know what like tens hundreds of fires going burning right now in bc right and the smoke cloud you can see very easily from space um i wouldn't be surprised if it's about you know the diameter of pluto it's a huge freaking cloud of smoke coming from bc i flew through it yeah truth it was cloudy in winnipeg yeah, mm-hmm. I believe it. We uh, drove through it, and uh, Lloyd Minster, you could barely see. It was just uh, brown uh, nothing, Lloyd Minster. Uh, there was a I've heard that about Lloyd Minster. Yeah, like, that's, I think that's actually on the sign. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Lloyd Minster, the brown nothing. Right. Uh, the smoke was so dense in Alberta that uh, in the Edmonton region, uh, the streetlights didn't click off at night at 8 a.m. in the morning. The sun was up, well, was but the streetlights stayed on. Uh, so anyways, uh, even even the Queen City here got extremely smoky and kind of stank of the uh, B.C. fire smoke. And it occurred to me this is something that, you know, with more and more of these forest fires uh, we're going to be experiencing. And I was thinking there has to be a way that we can monetize the smoky smell of the Queen City. And it turns out that, you know, liquid smoke, you can get, like, artificial liquid smoke but you can make li- like real liquid smoke, which is basically like smoke suspended in like distilled water, and then you can use that to flavor food or to flavor whatever. And I was thinking, uh, what we need to do is like when the smoke comes in next year or later this year, that we should produce like just batches upon batches of this Queen City brand liquid smoke to you know sort of like you know flavor your steaks or you know you could use it as a cologne so you smell like a campfire right and i thought we could call it the new normal i like that thanks i would buy that yeah definitely yeah yeah Yeah. smoke infused water yeah especially useful in winter when we're not exactly you could like pretend Mm -hmm. that it's the middle of summer right yeah and there's wildfires raging all over give a feeling of warmth yeah. yeah, or 
terror about the impending doom of the planet also, from climate change. I mean, yes. Yeah. Any one of the both. Okay, but anyways, if this doesn't make any money for us, we have a few other revenue tools that I'm going to play well, let's right hear now. Hi, I'm local blogger Kenton DeYoung. Did you know, in 1913, the Grand Trunk Pacific Railway began construction of the Chateau Coppel, a luxury hotel that was to be 10 stories tall. World War I broke out a year later, and due to a labor and material shortage, the project was halted. Grand Trunk would later go bankrupt, and the building was left incomplete. The Royal Saskatchewan Museum now sits on the former site of the Chateau Coppel. The museum is angled because it would be much easier to use the foundation built for the hotel than to dig it up and start all over again. It's Regina Fact. You'll find more Regina Facts on my blog, KentonDeYoung.com, and every week on the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And we are back from Innovative Revenue Tools and a Regina Fact by the mighty Kenton DeYoung. So, we've got more agenda to get through tonight. It's a pretty heavy agenda. They usually are. We do a lot of work down here. Right. Yeah. Uh, next up on the agenda, uh, the uh, August 1st Executive Committee meeting, the Traffic School Zone Safety Committee reported, uh, put together a report that recommended uh, a bunch of changes to uh, school zones. We talked about this once before, but tonight uh, in our meeting we're joined by a, uh, a typical 12-year-old girl who has a few things to say on it because we needed to talk to somebody who actually has some experience of school zones and right. schools, and so we thought who better to turn to than a typical 12-year-old girl. Um, are you ready to go? Yeah. Okay, hit it. Hi, I'm a typical 12-year-old girl. And I'm here to, with a hot take on school zone speed limits. But first, I just want to say thanks for inviting me into this dank sub-basement under City Hall. I feel very safe. And I'll be sure to tell my parents all about this and child services. Also, I just want to clarify, there's no cursing allowed on the radio. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it's a CRTC rule. Well, crap. That's dumb as butts. I'm sure radio is going to do very well competing with the internet. I wish you well. Anyway, my hot take on school zone speed limits. Here it is. Holy crapping crap. I can't believe it took these dillweeds two years to come up with a report on this. I can say dillweeds on the radio, right? I'm pretty sure it's a real word in the dictionary. Yeah, I guess you can... How about brain-eating zombies? Is that okay? Can I call City Hall a pack of brain-eating zombies? Yeah, that one's okay, but do you really want to do that? <laughs> Great. So council told the brain-eating zombies at City Hall to examine safety in school zones in 2016. And they took that idea and ran with it. Ran with it like a turtle on koaloots. On quailoots. Two years they spent dithering about how to improve safety in school zones. And they finally came up with a recommendation to do the same thing as basically every other city in the country. Wow. You'd think they could have pulled that together in like a weekend. And if council approves this recommendation at the August 27 council meeting, the earliest we'll see this change implemented is August of 2019. So that'll be three years from start to finish. Is this decisive action or a flaming turd? I can't 
Tao. So what's the big change in this report that's going to have the Queen City's drivers screaming like my little brother and mom takes the iPad away? It's lowering the speed limit in school zones from 40 kilometers per hour to 30 kilometers per hour. Brilliant. I'm a fan. And why is 30 the magic number? Because the best research we have says a car is way less likely to kill a kid when it's going 30 kilometers per hour than if it's traveling 40. And if this was YouTube instead of the radio, I'd throw up a picture of the graph right now to show you how dramatic the difference is between the two speeds. But since this isn't YouTube, I guess all you old-timers tuning in on your wireless radio wave receivers will just have to use your imaginations. Trust me, the difference is huge. This is science, dimwits. The thing you keep telling kids we need to know if we want to get a decent job. Well, guess what? We're using it against you. Now, some people are going to argue that we shouldn't lower the speed limit in school zones because there hasn't been a kid killed in a school zone yet. The operative word here is yet. So if you're arguing against lowering the speed limit, you're basically saying, hey, let's not act too hasty. Let's wait until the data includes a few dead kids before we do anything. Classic grown-up logic. So, in conclusion, the city should lower speed limits in school zones to 30 kilometers per hour because science says it makes kids safer. Safe kids is a good thing. And if you disagree with me, you're probably secretly a psychopath, like in those Netflix shows my parents won't let me watch, but I watch anyway, because a typical 12-year-old girl needs to know what she's up against. Thank you very much for that hot take, typical 12-year-old girl. Oh, you're welcome. Oh, that typical 12-year-old girl was fired up. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that was at the last executive committee meeting, uh, and uh, that recommendation will be coming forward at the council meeting. But again. even though it happens in every other city in the country, we here in Saskatchewan like being a little different. We definitely do. We don't believe in carbon taxes or film industries. So I'm not sure I like this lowering of the <laughs> speed limits. We should lower speed limits. All right, typical 12-year-old girl. You're right. <laughs> All right. Uh, okay. Well, moving along. All right. Uh, you, uh, you mentioned uh, when we were listening to the Innovative Revenue Tools, you mentioned a, uh, an acronym I wasn't, cl I wasn't clear on. Right, the acronym of Faustin. We hadn't talked about Faustin. What is Faustin? Faustin's a little town in Saskatchewan. I oh, that's not an acronym. I no, it it's just like, like the name of the town. <laughs> And that's where Belle Plaine is from. Really? It's true. That's where I'm from. Yeah. And I'm I grew up in Lintlaw, a mere, I don't know, 25 kilometers away. 30. What? It's true. We're neighbors. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Lintlaw and Faustin, that's uh, um, a lot of people maybe don't know where that is. So to put it in the context, they're, uh, you know, right, Nut Mountain is right between Faustin what and... Is? Lindlaw. So if you, you know, you draw a line down Highway 49, Faustin, Nut Mountain, Lindlaw. Nut Mountain. Hazel Dell. Hazel Dell. So just to give everyone a little perspective. Nut Mountain? Check out the map. This sounds like something from, I don't know, a Chippendale cartoon. Yeah, it's a, it's a thriving metropolis. Yeah? It's not a, a literal mountain of nuts, though. No, no, but it is the second highest point in Saskatchewan. Oh, really? Was it the highest point? It was Cypress Hills, I think. Oh, okay, of course, right. Um, so, w was there? 
Was there like a big rivalry between your two towns? Did your hockey teams hate each other? or No, we're a little too far away for that. The more rivalry was kind of uh, maybe Lintlaw and Kelvington. Ooh, this is interesting because Kelvington was our volleyball rival. So I right, think Kelvington was just maybe a feisty town. Kelvington is a feisty town. I went to high school there as well. There you go. Kelvington? Yeah. So yeah. When, you're, when you're living in Foston, and you're going to Calvington's High School? I didn't I, live in Foston. Sorry, you lived in Lintlaw. Right. Sorry. Um, if you lived in Foston and you went to Rose Valley, don't you know anything? <laughs> Evidently, no. Um, <laughs> He's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, would it be tough going to the school there? Like, did they just not like you? or? Uh, yeah, you know, the first year. I went... Uh, grade 10, 11, and 12 in, in Calvinton. So, yeah, it's a little rough the first year. you got to... And you won them over with your charms? Your, yeah, yeah. Won them over with my charms and my fists. No, not really. Oh, no, I got beat up a couple of times. There's a lot of hockey players in Calvinton. They're tough. Really? It's a big... It's, well, yeah, it's the home of Wendell Clark. Oh, my God, from the Aerostatic song. Yeah, that too. And Joey Coatser. I guess he was actually a hockey player there singing about he's there, not a character from the There was that part song. of his life, too, yes. Yeah. Prior to the Rio Static song. Anyway, so I thought we should mention that yeah. we were practically neighbors. That's pretty cool. It's kind of fun, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So when you say neighbors, like how many kilometers are we talking? Yeah, I, well, I don't know. Um, probably about 30, 25. Oh, okay. Yeah, that is really close together for Saskatchewan. Mm hmm. But yeah. he, like 12 miles to Kelvington from the Foston Corner? Isn't that called the 12 Yeah, that corner? sounds... Oh, yeah, probably. I don't know. It's been a while. I actually drove through Kelvington not long ago. So it might be 25 with. miles because back when I lived there, there was no such thing as kilometers. They hadn't been invented. They hadn't been invented yet. Wow. 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 <laughs> That's good. That's good. Um, cool. All right. I don't know. There's not a whole lot more on this agenda here. I wanted to mention, though, you, Please do. Th we started with an acronym, and uh, and that reminded me that I will soon be, apropos of really nothing but acronyms, uh, in a town in Alberta that is an acronym, USONA, named for the United States of North America. No way. Yeah, it's a, it's a place I like to hang out, to be honest. It's, a, it's an interesting place, as you can tell by its title. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What are you doing there? Uh, I have a friend there. I'm going to do a show, and then I'm going to basically hang out in her garage and and uh, work on some songs that I've been brewing and, uh, yeah, yeah, have a nocturnal schedule. What's the culture like in Usona? It's kind of sounds it's, like it's a really It's like a small town, more more conservative thinking, but uh, I don't know. You know, as an artist, as Queen Victoria said, be wary of the artists for they associate with all classes. I like that about being an artist. I get all of these different insights into the world, and you know, you, you get to see the. I feel like I get to see the soft sides of many. So, yeah, absolutely. But the culture, lots of country music fans too, right? Lots of country music fans. They have the uh, Rifleman's Rodeo that I visited the first year I was in Usona, where they uh, it's target practice. Um, it's quite. It's quite a culture. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Huh. Um. Do you just play country music now? Or are you doing the jazz thing in Usona? I or? still do jazz stuff. It's I'm doing a lot more solo uh, performing in the next few months, uh, right. and especially with a new album coming out. But I still have the band with me. Uh, this album, 
uh, one of the focuses was having a pedal steel as our as a color instrument, and that to me really speaks to country music, that sound. Yeah. And there's also a Telecaster guitar through most of the album, so that also speaks to a more country sound. But the writing, uh, the writing that I do is never really in one genre. I like to just see what happens, play with chords. I'm not really a, a three chords kind of lady, although occasionally I will do that, but yeah. I like having all of those jazz chord structures, and so I have a great piano player, great bassist uh, who contribute to that as well as, I mean, really my whole band is just smarter than I am. So I come in with melodies and some ideas, and they refine them to be... Um, yeah, more elaborate structures. Uh, genres are so blurred between, with so many yeah, different man. artists. I mean, we were just talking about Nico Case, mm -hmm. and you know, she's got a steel guitar in her band, and and uh, yes. uh, all sorts of other instruments, and you know, it's she true. just runs the gamut of, of genres so yeah, uh, effortlessly. That, that's interesting to me. You know, uh, an album where all the songs sort of blur into each other is not really something that, yeah. It mm -hmm. gets me going. I like I like when there's a bit of a shape to it, but that's me, you know. Yeah, I guess it's similar with how they're doing folk festivals now too. Like there is no folk genre. Uh, at a, well, I guess there's some stuff that you'd count as a folk genre at a, a folk festival, but they've definitely drifted away so that it's pretty much everything that's getting that's turning up there from hip hop through to yeah you know, traditional Fastel Jazz Festival. Yeah. I would I would argue is is a similar thing. I yeah. think that's great. You know. Yeah program good music who cares what the genre is right beyond you sound where else are you playing coming up um i well i'm actually playing this weekend as part of the regina international film festival and awards i'm playing oh, at the nice. gala a couple songs so that'll be fun um yeah it's i've never been and unfortunately with my travel schedule i wasn't able to make it but they had uh the animation artist bill plimpton today and uh, i'm a big fan of him so yeah. i'm a little sad that i didn't get to see him speak i always miss these great film events i miss john waters when he was here and i think i like wept myself to sleep one <laughs> night um yeah yeah that gala is becoming a huge thing for the queen city hey i think so i i'm really honored to be a part of it like that's a that's a community that i don't have um a lot of access to or um, I mean, I have friends that definitely worked in film, but there's, um, I feel like they're really trying to breathe life back into something that was decimated. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I'm very happy to be going and, and singing songs from the new album and trying to choose moody songs, not just like, you know, from the new record that, uh, cause of right. course musicians play a large part in create, in the creation of the film at the end. Uh, mostly in the end process, from what I can understand, that's when our music kind of comes in and provides the color. I had my music included in a, a Nicolas Cage film. And Which one? It was, uh, oh darn it, it'll come to me. It was shot, though, in B.C., and it was this like futuristic dystopia film where uh, the, the character Nicholas... I haven't seen it. We've been wanting to see it. We haven't had yeah. an opportunity to find it. So this is one of his classics. Oh, no, this is like a recent, maybe, of the last two years. So maybe that makes it a classic. I don't know. I yeah. guess it depends on the ranking of Nicholas. The beginning Cage of films. his comeback. There yeah. you go. Yeah. 
so my my music was uniquely positioned in the film at a point when Nicolas Cage was coming to collect from uh, from an old fella who was um, you know unhappy of course because it's a dystopian uh, situation that he's in and uh, he was he was I guess going to be complicit and and pay Mr. Cage and then uh, sat down and my song came on his radio in a crackly tone and it was a song from my first full length album called Legendary Song and uh, it it reminded him of a better time and then a uh, some sort of hand to hand combat battle ensued. <laughs> So, I mean, pretty much what I was writing about when I wrote that song. Hand-to-hand yeah. combat. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in a waltz, just of course. Just in Osana. <laughs> you just never know, right? That's awesome. <laughs> it I is pretty awesome. My band was thrilled when I told them that story. Yeah. Uh, so, and, and I am also very thrilled. We just need to see it in action at this point. Yeah. How does something like that happen? Do you, does this all happen with the music distributors? and Or does somebody... Does, did Nick... Nicholas Cage call you up. Yeah, well, he texted me, but um, you know, similar situation. Uh, there's. Yeah. Um, did he really text you? No. You? Yeah. <laughs> there's music supervisors that that deal with. Oh, okay. um, yeah, and they they basically have banks of music filed away by you know by mood or or whatever it may be, so that they can kind of go to it and you know file it in. Like it's. It's a pretty incredible process, I think, from that perspective. And um, and some musicians have, you know, a, an agent of sorts who will be pitching music to film and, and television music supervisors. So yeah, and some there's a lot of artists that will just write specifically with that in mind, like that end product. You know, writing happy songs with a ukulele so that we can sell more uh, Nissan Versas or whatever. Right. Um, How do I get my song into a Nicolas Cage movie? Yeah, I mean, yeah. again, definitely my focus when I wrote that waltz. Yeah? Yeah, this is going to be a good one. Success! Yes. <laughs> Work backwards, folks. Work backwards. <laughs> you too can be in a Nicolas Cage movie. How are things at the exchange, huh? Quite, quite, yeah. Why? Well, there's it's, stuff coming up. It's summertime. Yeah, we've got stuff coming up all the time. But, you know, we've got staff on vacation and, and uh, it's... Uh, music festival season so there's a right. little bit less going on there but that's good because we need to recharge and hit the ground uh, running in the fall and our year ends at the end of august so right. um yeah things are marvelous right so you let your minions loose so that they can go to the festivals yes that's yes good. the minions have been loosed yeah yeah is there uh, any exhibits coming up or any bands coming up that we should know about <clears throat> Which, well, you're putting me on the spot. Man. I know. Yes. Oh, what? Sunday, Miss Carolyn Mark will be in the club, and Carolyn Mark is the reason why I am a musician this day. Really? 100%. How did that happen? She took me on the road. She took me to Ness Creek after I recorded some songs in 2009. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she teased up my hair, and she uh, blacked out one of my teeth and instructed me to uh, gargle in harmony with the other backup singer and spit out the water on the audience. And uh, and I thought, you know, this musician business isn't so bad. I'm going to quit my job. Wow. So, if you want to see <laughs> what inspired me <laughs> to be a musician, I recommend you go to the club on Sunday night. What? What kind of show does Carolyn Marks put on that she needs somebody to gargle and spit on the crowd? Uh, well, Paul, you're just going to have to go and find out. I want to know beforehand. Fair enough. Uh, 
she's a she's a country singer, um, but her songs sort of focus on the um, on the hilarity of being um, broke and um, yeah, and unknown. That's sort of it's. I mean, Caroline is. She is her own thing unto herself. She actually was in a band with Nico Case called the Corn Sisters uh, for a number of years. That was where one of the places that Nico started their buds. Um, yeah, Carolyn's Carolyn's music is uh, it's an oddity and it's very funny. It's very clever. She's a great writer. Um, and uh, yeah, if you like if you like satire and yeah. if you like cynicism um, wrapped up in a little funny bow. Yes, this is the show for you. I love her music. I think she's great. Well, let's go. Let's go to it, Paul. Okay. Let's come in now. How do we get out? To go to this? Can you sneak me out of this? Yeah, we'll figure it out somehow. You know, one of my favorite songwriters is playing at the exchange in September. Ray Spoon is coming through town. And they're just fantastic. They are fantastic. Yeah. And then we've got uh, Elliot Brood and Fred Eaglesmith uh, the week after that. So, yeah, it's going to be a nice, busy September. Lots of stuff. You guys get good acts in there. Sometimes. Yeah. We're trying to get Belle Plain to play. Really? Do you think you can? I don't know. Hmm. She's hard to get a hold of. Is she really? Yeah. Well, she's in demand. Yeah, she is. You know, Sona, of all places. Tough agent. You have (laughs) to talk to Nicolas Cage. (laughs) He might. He's a real ball buster. He he might. Or his flaming skull. So I should mention, a little bit belatedly, that we are the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR, Regina Community Radio. And um, we're just about out of time, but we have enough time for uh, a song that you brought in, not by yeah, you. Not by me, but by a lady who uh, who left us a lot of wonderful music and made me cry on the plane today. So if you're driving around, think some good thoughts from Miss Aretha Franklin. Yeah. What is she like? You've been listening to her all your life? I've been listening to her since uh, high school. Yeah, yeah, and it's just that voice is incredible. So yeah. this is a this is an old jazz song that I love called "That's Life," and I just think she does an incredible job uh, of it. And a, a strange yet very fitting song, maybe to end it all off on. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, I'm not going to talk over the song, so I'm just going to like. We should probably call for an adjournment before we play it. All right. I'll move to adjourn. I'll second that motion. Uh, and so this was the weekly meeting of the Queen City Improvement Bureau on 91.3 FM CJTR. Uh, coming up next is the Nerdcore Cabaret with Maddie V, and then followed by the Cockpit with the Pilot and Navigator, uh, and then a lot of music overnight. Uh, thanks to Bell, to John for coming in tonight, and the uh, typical 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Nice job. Bye. Speed limit. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can uh, you can listen to the Queen City Improvement Bureau on uh, you can catch our podcasts on cjtr.ca slash podcasts or at queencityib.com. And uh, yeah, let's play us out with a little bit of the mighty Aretha Franklin.